We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. Welcome to News Today with Dr. June Knight as your host on WITB. This is a WATB disclaimer. Good evening, Bride. Good evening. I'm going to talk to you a few minutes about our food production because uh, we all know that AI is in the mix. We know that robotics is coming. We know what the UN is doing with the Sustainable Developmental Goals. We know about plant-based food. We know about the genetically modified food and all of the different things. So now let's look at something they're doing in the Appalachian Mountains. Check this out, Brad. In our series, Eye on Earth, we're looking at what may be the future of farming on a very changing planet. From 2001 to 2016, the U.S. lost 11 million acres of farmland, mostly to development. So that translates to one and a half acres every minute across the U.S. Only 19% of land is considered best for growing foods and crops. CBS News senior environmental correspondent, that's Ben Tracy, traveled to Kentucky to meet a pioneering young farmer who's also giving his Appalachian community an economic boost. We build big. This rectangle of steel and glass stretches for nearly half a mile. And just as you start to take it all in, you realize... That's only the half of it. When we do something, we put our mind to it, we go massive. Jonathan Webb used to build solar energy projects for the government. It's like surfing, coming down here. Now the 35-year-old is running one of the largest indoor farming operations in the world, growing row after row after row of tomatoes. This greenhouse is the size of 58 football fields, so big you can't see where it ends. Do you think of yourself as a farmer? Yeah, this is farming. Calling it app harvest isn't just clever tech talk. It's located in Appalachia, just outside Moorhead, Kentucky. Everybody watch out for Central Appalachia. We're absolutely going to be one of the largest fruit and vegetable suppliers of the U.S. in the decades to come. Climate change is not only altering our weather patterns, but it's changing where and how we grow our food. A lot of our produce comes from California and Mexico, two places now hit with frequent and devastating droughts. Kentucky is getting wetter and has location on its side. 
we can get to 70% of the U.S. in a one-day drive. Whereas right now, you're importing uh, product from Mexico coming two weeks on a truck. App Harvest plans to build at least a dozen of these indoor grow facilities. They use rainwater collected on the massive roof and stored in this pond, the size of 70 Olympic swimming pools. Water is delivered to the plants in precise amounts so it isn't wasted. Once that rainwater is in here, it only leaves as a tomato. They can grow year-round and all night. When the greenhouse shows its more colorful side. Thanks to special grow lights that keep the 720,000 plants inside reaching for the sky. The company says farming this way uses 90% less water, no soil, and results in 30 times more yield per acre than a regular outdoor farm. So you may be thinking, well, that's great for tomatoes, but I'd like to eat more than just tomatoes. Well, they say they can do this for any sort of vine crop, including cucumbers, bell peppers, and berries. There are downsides. Building huge structures of steel and glass creates its own planet warming emissions, and it takes energy to run all those nighttime lights. The tomatoes also cost a bit more than the ones grown in Mexico. But reinventing farming on a changing planet is crucial because the United Nations says the world's farmers need to grow 60% more food by 2050 to feed the estimated 9.3 billion people that will be living on the planet. This is 30 years away. We're not talking like great-grandkids need to figure this out. We're talking we need to figure this out. Webb has big backers, and sitting on his board of directors is a legend the food world knows by just one name. And I was terrified, is Martha going to like this tomato? <laughs> so, Martha Stewart, we got her a box. Martha calls, these are fabulous, they're wonderful. She posted them on Instagram, and that was the, that was the moment we knew we had a winner. How are we doing? But for Webb, this hits home. He's from central Appalachia, an area hit hard by the collapse of tobacco and coal, where one in three people live below the poverty line. You know, we shut down the coal mines and no one said what's next. App Harvest has created more than 500 jobs at this one facility. The company has also given stock options to its employees. There were people in tears. People have never owned a car. Never owned a house. At the top of the vines, we met up with Sam Smith, who used to harvest a much different crop, tobacco. When that came to a halt, so did the money. So it's hard to find, you know, good, consistent work like this. You know, it's a, it's a blessing. You got it. Webb Rock believes home, he and his Orange Army are building a new future for Appalachia. It's a runaway freight train. Now it's a matter of how big is it going to be, how fast are we going to go. And that's saying something, given how big it already is. For CBS This Morning, Ben Tracy, Moorhead, Kentucky. Okay, Brad, I want to tell you, this is not far from us at all. Uh, I want to tell you that my dad is buried in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, so this is, you know, hits home to me because my dad's family, actually, they're all from Kentucky. My mother's family, they were all from Arkansas, but... Because he sang country music, that's what brought us to Nashville. So I was, you know, thus I was born in Nashville. But in this region, you know, they um, are really big in the farmland out here. So this guy is from the Appalachian Mountains, and he has figured out a way to mix technology, robotics, AI, in with farming. 
Now, what we're going to do, Brad, is we're going to examine his website a minute. Okay, and we're going to look through several different things today. And this this news broadcast tonight is only in uh, is only about this because we need to examine this because I believe this is just the beginning. Okay, now this is his website. I want you to look at the logo, of course. Uh, the logo, you know, is just like two mountains, and it's at harvest. Okay, and they're very big into the sustainability report, which means they are partnering with the UN. So that right there gives us cause to pause. Okay, so they, he says we are producing for a better world. Okay, we know as we're studying logos and we're studying, you know, the, the typical pattern of the UN, the Build Back Better, that right there is a clue as well. Okay, it says App Harvest is on a mission to feed the future from the heart of Appalachia. That's another clue, that word right there. I've already told you that is one of the key words you need to know. Okay, growing fresh, nutritious fruits and vegetables for the betterment of people and the planet. We're building a sustainable, homegrown food supply that's accessible to all, all year long. Now, I mean, I know that Brock and Laurie, you know, they are farmers as well. And, you know, they, they try to have a greenhouse where they can grow things within the green, greenhouse but it is actually with dirt and it's, you know, doing things where it starts in the greenhouse. And then once it gets to a certain height, they kind of move it outside or whatever. So let's continue here. Farmers and futurists. Now, when you see the word futurist, that's another word that should cause you to pause because it's part of this, um, world where they're it's hard to explain let me just show you because i know what it means but i want to show you all right futurist look at the definition are no also known as futurologist prospectivist foresight practitioners and horizon scanners are people whose specialty or interest is futurology or the attempt to systematically explore predictions and possibilities about the future and how they can emerge from the past, whether that be of human society. Basically, it's people that want to go into this AI world. Uh, this new United Nations uh, AI sustainable uh, robotic world connected iot internet of things this is probably now going to be called internet of plants you know they've got internet of bodies i wouldn't doubt it okay a massive indoor farms are part vision part science and all inspiration we combine innovative technology with natural resources and farming know-how using less to grow more okay i want to pause here my grandson showed me a movie last night about, uh, what was the name? I can't think of the name of it, but it was those, uh, what do you call those power characters that have all the superpowers? Marvel. The Marvel characters. 
And in this one show, it was about uh, some group, but one of the characters in this movie was a, a tree that was a humanoid tree. It was a, a human that was in the, that was um, a hybrid with a tree is the only way I know how to explain it. But you know how we've got robots that are mixing with humans and they're calling them humanoids. It was like that, but it was mixed with a plant. And it had like the eyes and the face, you know, but it had, it was like a tree. And I told my grandson, I said, I can totally see this happening because of the way that they're already mixing human genes with plants and with mice and with animals and they're, they're interbreeding. They're doing these things in the name of science. And it is demonic to the bone. But uh, when they're mixing all of this innovative technology with this, it, it is really scary because you're messing with uh, God's genes, you know, because I don't know if a lot of you know, a lot of you probably know this, but uh, the plants, they, they're alive. You know, they, they have cells like we do. And when I was in college, I actually am, you know how when you're in college, you have to take all these classes like biology and science and, you know, math and English. Well, in my biology class, uh, we was learning, you know, really digging into the cell and the cellular system within the human body. And it was fascinating because it's like billions of cells. It's like a planetary system within the human body. It's really fascinating. Well, then when we was flipping that over to plants and noticing how the plants have the same cells and how they're alive and how they have feelings, you know, because, and you say, well, plants can't have feelings. Well, They've actually done studies that if, if plants are around violent atmospheres, they, they react and they just wither off. If they're in, if they're in peaceful atmospheres, you know, uh, with, with, uh, they really flourish, you know. So anyways, when you think about uh, what they're doing to these plants, I don't think it's very funny, you know, because... God created these plants for a reason. And I've told you all the stories of the horses and how the horses reacted with the trees whenever the storm came when I was in Mississippi and, and the horses ran into the forest uh, to the trees because the trees protected them from the storm. So animals, you know, they have relationship with plants. And anyway... Let's get back on this. I'm sorry. Okay, so going back to the futurists, though, uh, it says that 90% less, we use only recycled rainwater and distribute it more efficiently, reducing water usage by up to 90%. And you think, well, that's pretty cool. You know, because Brock did that when he's farming. He tries to capture rainwater and use it. Year-round farming indoors means year-round yield and climate-resilient food supply. Uh, 
Okay, then no chemical pesticides. And when you see that off the top, you think, wow, that is really good. We don't need the chemical pesticides in our vegetables, you know. We harness nature, not chemicals, creating an ecosystem where insects like bees keep our plants healthy. Okay, I'm telling you, Brad, just based off my little bit of research I did on this today, they may say that, but what they do to the root system of the plants, because with their technology, they have to control the root system of plants so that these uh, vines do not grow out and just take over everything. So the way that they do these plants, which I'll show you in here once we dig a little further, the way they do with these plants is they put it in this water that's mixed with these chemicals, basically, that, that uh, basically stunt, they, they stunt the growth of the roots of the plants. So to me, that is still chemicals. I mean, you're still, you know, messing with God's deal here. Uh, okay, 30 times more, our 60-acre flagship facility is expected to yield 30 times more food per acre than traditional farming. Positively delicious, we cultivate without compromise. Our fruits and vegetables can go from buying the grocery out in less than a day grown with integrity not chemicals they are picked at peak freshness and come ripe with flavor and nutrition it's like a healthy difference you can see feel taste and love okay so let's check this out here when we say our tomatoes are better we mean it we believe nutrition is the best medicine so we harvest at peak freshness for high nutritional content more robust ripe flavor because we're located in the heartland at harvest tomatoes can go from buying to store in a day just using yum well like he said on that interview he can be uh within 70 percent of the united states within one day because of where he's located in kentucky Beefsteak. Our big, bold, juicy beefsteak tomatoes are easy to slice and easy to love, full of fresh. Then they got recipes, tomatoes on the vine, no chemical pesticides, no GMOs, vine ripened, Appalachian grown. Now, okay, when you look at this, Brian, uh, I can see how many people would look at this and say, wow, this is exactly what I want. Uh, because I had a conversation with somebody before about uh, this, the way that they're looking at this on the surface is what they like about plant-based food. You know, they like it because it's no GMOs, no chemicals right off the top. So let's, let's dig a little further here. Ab Harvest's tomatoes bring such delicious flavor to my dishes, it's like cooking straight from the garden. Okay, then you got recipes. Okay, so let's check out their ag tech. Controlled environment agriculture. We're farming for the future. And then they've got a sign, indoor farming. Our controlled environment facilities help us farm smarter, which we know what that means, AI, so we can sustainably grow more healthy, delicious food on a large scale year round. 
Okay, uh, so they're giving us an example here. So they're mixing rainwater with the sun, with natural pollinators, the bees, with the energy, nutrients, and local ag expertise. Okay, so they have a heat source that comes in the greenhouse. I guess that's what that symbol is, is a greenhouse. Okay, and then they've got whatever this is coming up to the bottom. Organic waste, CO2, zero ag runoff, zero chemical pesticides. Okay, that's acting like oxygen there. Oh, I see. Okay, so they've got like the rainwater that catches on the roof that kind of drops down in there. Sun comes through the roof. The bees, energy, nutrients. Okay, all right. Our process is better for both people and the planet. So here's how it works. Recycled rainwater. United Nations studies predict the world will need up to 70% more food by 2050. With more than 75% of the world's fresh water already devoted to agriculture, water scarcity will be a significant limiting factor in growing more food. That's why we developed a 10-acre retention pond and cutting-edge circular irrigation system that meets all our water needs using only recycled rainwater. Hmm. Listen to this. Constantly aerated with nanobubble technology. The retention pond holds the equivalent of nearly 70 Olympic-sized swimming pools of water. Okay, so let's see what this is. Nanobubble technology. What is this? Advanced nanobubble technology. Let's see what this is. Wow, the UN blue. It can't be. <laughs> it cannot be. Okay, harness the power of nanobubble technology. Achieve extraordinary improvements in sustainable food production, chemical-free water treatment, and the recovery of natural resources. A proven sustainable solution for industries worldwide. Agriculture, booster productivity, horticulture, okay. Nanobubbles supersaturate water with dissolved oxygen regardless of your cultivation method. Irrigation water supersaturated with oxygen nanobubbles improves root health and increases nutrient uptake across a wide range of crops and improves water quality by treating and suppressing pathogens. See, <laughs> Brad, maybe we've studied too much about these nanobots. Every time I see a word nanobot. <laughs> Every time I hear a word or see a word nano, I immediately go, Whoop, you know, nano, no, you know. Okay, so what we've got to know, Brian, is how is it going to suppress pathogens? Because here's what I see in my head. I see these little nanobots, you know, like these little things, and they're, they're suppressing like all the things they don't like in there. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what they say. Maybe they got a video of what this is. Improved plant growth with chemical-free oxygen nanobubbles. 
They are an innovative, sustainable irrigation and greenhouse technology fueling healthier plant growth or unparalleled oxygenation pathogen control. See, that word right there is what makes me think of these little bugs. Pathogen control and improved root development. All right, let's see. Okay, let me get my little mouse over here. Nano bubble enriched water has been proven to improve water quality, promote root development, and foster plant health while lowering treatment and oxygen costs. All right, well, here's a video. Maybe they got a video that shows what these nano things are. All right, let's check it out. Hopefully, they'll show what it is. All right, let's see. We're at the great state fair of Texas. At the Big Tex Urban Farms, we grow food in an asphalt parking lot and now indoors in this greenhouse. And today we're gonna to be installing a new piece of technology. It's called a, a nano bubbler from the company uh, we're super excited about it. We think it's really going to help out how quickly our crop grows and how productive the system can be. My name is Warren. I'm here from Moliere. Moliere is a nanobubble technology company. We're based in Los Angeles, California. We've developed a line of nanobubble generators, which we apply in a wide variety of markets and applications. Today, we're here to demonstrate our NanoBoost, which is a line of nanobubble generators, which we've developed for the hydroponic market. And we're here to show you just how simply these can be installed, how easy they are to operate, and the differentiator, how effective a nanobubble aeration system can compare to conventional ways of delivering oxygen to water. My name is Chris Higgins. I'm one of the owners and general manager at Port Americas. And our goal today is to show grower an option in better managing the root system, which will allow them to produce plants year round in a hot and humid condition to service local markets. It's been almost two months since we've had the Moliere installed. And uh, so it's given us a good amount of time to judge its performance. And so far, we've really been impressed with what we see. About a month ago, we actually lost power to my greenhouse, so I had no air conditioner. The last time I checked, the temperature had got up to 113 degrees, and I just quit checking the thermostat at that point because it was breaking my heart. I was frankly worried that I was going to lose everything. Within a few days after this event, in my old tank, the Venturi valve system, I lost several rafts of lettuce due to a process called bolting, where the lettuce tries to flower. It's a reaction to stress. I didn't lose anything in the Moliere tank, not a single, not a single one. Uh, we think because of the high levels of oxygen in the water, the plants were able to sustain that traumatic event. This thing is super easy to use. We really don't have to do much. Monitor your oxygen levels, which we're going through, you know, a tank maybe once a week or so. All you do is shut your tank off, disconnect the regulator, attach it to your new tank. That's it. There's not much to filter in these systems. so. It's really plug and play. We're definitely cranking out more product using the Moliere. The cost of the oxygen is very minimal. So producing a better product, I think in the long run, is going to be much, much more of a win-win. We know that oxygen is super important in hydroponics. It's going to help alleviate summer stress, heat stress, helps promote faster growth. 
and gives you a better product in the end. Big Tech's Urban Farms, State Fair Project, we're all about growing and harvesting and donating produce. Uh, we give everything that we grow away to the local community. We're trying to feed people. We're trying to grow as much as we can and maximize the resources that we have. And we think the Moliere system is going to be a big part of how we can get more fresh produce into South Dallas. So he mentioned a thing we need to talk about, Bryce, called hydroponics. Now, I was looking up this word. Where is it at? hydroponics okay let's look this up watch this okay hydroponics okay let's see here it's a type of horticulture and a subset of hydroculture which involves growing plants plants usually crops without soil by using mineral nutrient solutions. In other words, chemicals. Okay, so uh, let's see. Min mineral nutrient solutions in an aqueous solvent. Terrestrial plants may grow with only their roots exposed to the nutrient liquid, or in addition, the roots may be physically supported by an inert medium such as perlite, gravel, or substrates. Despite inert media, roots can cause changes of the pH and root exudiates can affect rhizosphere biology. The, root, the nutrients used in hydroponic systems can come from many different sources, including fish excrement, duck manure, purchased chemical fertilizers, or artificial nutrient solutions. Plants commonly grown hydroponically on inert media include tomatoes, peppers, all the things this guy said he grows inside this, um, you know, the greenhouse. Cucumbers, strawberries, lettuces, cannabis, and model plants like whatever, whatever. Hydroponics offers many advantages, notably a decrease in water usage in agriculture. To grow one kilogram of tomatoes using intense farming methods requires 400 liters of water using hydroponics, 70 liters, and only 20 liters using aeroponics. Since hydroponics takes much less water to grow produce, it could be possible in the future for people in harsh environments with little accessible water to grow their own food. Okay, so we all know, Brad, you know, what is coming in the future. We all know as well that, you know, Bill Gates is buying up all this land. And it's not just Bill Gates, but it's uh, some other people you know, that are the elite are uh, buying up all this farmland. So, and we also know what is happening to our food production. So this whole thing just causes us to pause. Okay, let's check out their hybrid lighting. Our hybrid lighting system substantially increases how many tomatoes we can grow. 
we combine three invaluable sources of light, sunlight, efficient LEDs, and high pressure sodium growing lights, which double as a heat source during cooler months. Our facility's roofs are composed of diffused glass to allow the maximum amount of sunlight to travel consistently across our tomatoes. Well, I tell you what, Brad, this kind of stuff makes you not want to eat anything from the store. <laughs> I'm telling you. Artificial intelligence. App Harvest's team of advanced engineers, including those focused on machine learning. Oh, y'all know what that is, Brad. Machine learning is where the machine can think for itself. Uh, embedded software and perception have developed intelligent robots that help manage high-tech indoor farms. The robots evaluate crop health and provide real-time information that improves sustainability efforts, such as detecting and eliminating pests naturally. Wow. Wow. So the AI can pick up when a bug is around and then it acts and gets rid of the bug. Helping our indoor farms successfully grow fruits and vegetables free from harsh chemical pesticides. Of even greater benefit though is how the artificial intelligence will be able to precisely predict crop yield which has long been one of the key challenges in agriculture. Many downstream decisions from work scheduling to transportation to retail planning are based on yield. And any deviation between projection and actual yield can result in fire drills for numerous functions to adjust for the change. AI helps solve for that. Okay, robotic harvesting. App Harvest is working to develop and deploy universal robotic harvesters to provide a baseline of harvesting support alongside our crop care specialists who focus on more complex tasks. Our robots can be configured to identify and harvest multiple crops of varying sizes. In recent years, they have collected the world's most the world's largest data set of tomato images, enabling them to identify more than 50 varieties across varying stages of maturity. Each robot uses a set of cameras combined with an infrared laser to generate a 3D color scan of an area to determine the work it can perform. <coughs> Boy, it's kind of freaky. I mean, we showed the video, Brad, of what was the name of that robot? Uh, the robot that they're going to use for the elderly. What's that? It's a woman's name. And she looks like a human. Sophie, Sophie. That's it, Sophie. And she has a face that looks very real. She has three cameras right on her chest. And she has like cameras on her legs. She, uh, her camera is like infrared. 
it is able to tell it's able to read everything about that human it will be able to tell everything in the room it like scans the room it'll be able to tell their vital signs even if they're depressed it'll be able to tell everything so i kind of see this same thing that they're talking about when it comes to robotic harvesting over plants so they've got like these lasers that are scanned they know the different uh maturity levels of all the plants and what to do about it each robot uses a set of cameras combined with an infrared laser to generate a 3d color scan of an area to determine the work it can perform once it maps the tomatoes the robot assesses their orientation and determines if they are ripe enough to pick. Oh, no way. No way. That is kind of creepy. And the reason I say that, Brian, because I am thinking of an elderly person. And I know my mind, y'all probably thinking, this woman's mind. <laughs> but I used to minister to the elderly, so I... I very familiar with the elderly okay so uh if you've got an elderly there that's very lonely or even if they've got dementia and their mind's not really there all the time you know can you imagine this robot having to make decisions over a human and how they're gonna deal with this human and the fact that it machine learns so how do you know if the robot's going to stop? I mean, do y'all get the vision I've got? I mean, how do you, what do you know that thing's going to do? I mean, then, okay, not only that, but I mean, <laughs> you know, like just think about this a minute because who is controlling the robot? I mean, how do you know that thing is not connected to somebody in China? We've hey, we've done all this research. We know that they can tap in, you know. So this is just creepiness on the sticks. So all I can say about it. <laughs> okay, so let's continue. So the scan enables the robot to find the least obstructive and fastest route to pick the crop ahead of the arrival of the robotic arm and gripper. Each robot can be programmed to make other quality assessments as well. It can identify hundreds of tomatoes in a fraction of a second. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all like, yes, I mean, we're all about, you know, uh, getting better in society and having, you know, there's no problem with having robots. It's not the problem of robots helping in business. But when you think about the other things they want to do with robots, and if they can do this with tomatoes and go in there and just pick a fresh little, you see what I mean? Like if they have this much sense that they can go in there and just pick a little tomato and not harm it at all. I mean, you can imagine, <laughs> you know, what they can do with humans, you know? Uh, okay, so... Each robot can be programmed to make other quality assessments as well, as well. It can identify hundreds of tomatoes in a fraction of a second. Wow, that is crazy. 
hundreds of tomatoes it's analyzing in a second without having to connect to the cloud. Plus, keep score on its success rate like a video game. Ooh, creepy. Ooh. Oh, man. A built-in feedback mechanism, which means machine learning, constantly evaluates its efficiency so the robot learns how to harvest any given configuration of fruit most effectively. Oh, I don't even want to think of what that technology can do. You know, I thought that too, Amy, about the LED lights. Amy on one of the chats says, LED lights transmit Wi-Fi as well. Yes, that's right. You can have Wi-Fi through it. All right, so let's look at this. Precise growing. Our sophisticated system uses 300 strategically placed sensors to ensure each tomato plant receives the ideal amount of nutrients and water. Okay, how are you going to do this? With continuous access through mobile devices, the system assists growers as they evaluate each plant's microclimate and validate the precise levels of light, water, and carbon dioxide needed for maximum yields. For example, the natural gas that heats our facilities produces carbon dioxide, which we then partially capture to use as a nutrient for our plants. Wow. Integrated pest management. By controlling our environments, we eliminate the need for harsh chemical pesticides. Instead, we practice what's called integrated pest management, a combination of highly trained employees and sophisticated technology. We use beneficial insects throughout our facility to control the pest population. And we use hundreds of sensors and cameras to record and analyze high quality granular images of each plant with the goal of identifying any pests before they come become a problem. Good Lord. Man, these cameras attached to carts that travel throughout our Moorhead farm, providing real-time alerts of risk. Upon discovering areas of concern, the technology also predicts how the issue could expand if untreated, giving us greater insight into these concerns so we can work to fully address them. This kind of makes me wonder if there's nanotechnology within the plant. Within the plant, just like within the V. I mean, think about it. If I'm just throwing this out there, but if they've got that technology with the genes like they do with these genes, okay? And you know how we read in the um, Moderna's website, they talked about how they're building an app in here. You know, these these nanobots build this app and then this is why you're going to have to have the um, 
uh, booster shots, you know, like the upload, you're going to have to have a continual upgrade. So while they're in there, they're monitoring the progress of the product that they put inside of us, right? Just bear with me a minute. I'm not a scientist. You know, just bear with me a minute. Okay, so if all of this that we've learned about through the Internet of Bodies, the Internet of Things, the Internet of med Medical Things, okay, if they can do that in a human, and they can constantly report back to doctors and report back to them what's happening with their product. They can do the same in a plant. So when they say this and they say that they've got these sensors that measure the uh, health of the plant, then that's what I see can possibly uh, be doing that there. But I don't know. I mean, I haven't read it or anything. Okay, natural pollination. Tomatoes are flowering plants and only bloom for up to three days. It's a short window during which to achieve levels of pollination for maximum yields. We use 500 beehives, each holding up to 125 bees and their queen, to pollinate our more than 700,000 tomato plants. Wow. Wow, that is amazing. These bees pollinate through what's called buzz pollination, a process in which the variations or the vibrations from their wings remove and collect pollen. That action fertilizes the flowers, prompting them to bear fruit. Our technological systems consistently monitor the pollination across 68 bays and 684 rows of plants. Pause. Pause. I was listening. Who was it? It was just the other day. Some man. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. It was somebody talking before Congress. Oh, Ram Paul. Ram Paul which we know a lot of the way that they do things in Congress because they know they have the globe's attention through the cameras, is they will present these ideas in Congress that, okay, like Rand Paul is supposed to be representing the conservatives, so he's supposed to be having conservative thoughts. So, but we've noticed that sometimes when they bring things to the forefront, they're doing it for the purpose of, exposing this and gaining attention to this. And it may not be for our good, it may be for the good of the UN with this information that, in other words, they're using the conservatives to release this liberal information, but in a covert way type of deal. But anyway, so he's before Congress and he's talking about this terrible thing that they are doing uh, with food, what was it? It just left me. Oh, no. Yes, it was with food. They were, he was talking about how he has a problem with the UN, why they're spending all this attention on these studies to find out how people can eat ants, how they can eat ants, and how will they survive eating insects. 
And he was trying to throw it out there to the, you know, the people he was talking to in this little, uh, not the full Congress, but, you know, these little subcommittees they have. And he was talking about, like, why do they do this? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, why are you bringing it to the attention unless you want everybody to know they're doing these studies? You know, so anyway, but when you look at this, on this food production that they're doing, that we know that food is being destroyed right now. We know animals are being killed. Plants are being shut down and, you know, the, the delivery trucks are being shut down. So we know that everything's going down in the food production right now. But this thing, this new type of uh, plant production is rising and it's, it's where they're uh, involving technology in the growth of food, right? So we also know that the globe is about to switch over to this uh, one world order. New, you know, they call it Jasara and Nisara, but it's, it's where the economy is about to flip. So they're going to their digital economy. So we all know there is some sort of agreement that's going to have to be said in order to achieve this new world with these people. So in order for you to go in this new world of, of this new circular economy and this new Jasara and Nisara and, and going into this type of world where you're going to have to renounce Jesus and renounce the old order of things, that that's going to be the only way you're going to be able to get this food. This is just my opinion. But it's because uh, they want this world that everything is synthetic. This is synthetic. I've, I've been telling you this, Brad. All the natural ways of God are being removed. Think about it right before your very eyes. And you don't hear anybody talking about this, do you? They are removing everything that's natural. Okay, so they're coming up with all the technology involved synthetic forms of doing things. Why? Because when the time comes where you have to choose whether you're going to go into this world because you want your job, you want your house, you want the way it used to be, you want your country so bad you'll sell your soul, you know, whatever this is that's going to cause you to accept this mark, okay, you're going to have to give this allegiance to this new system for what? In order to be fed, in order to be taken care of, in order to go places, in order to shop, buy, and sell. They do not want the uh, I want to say like rebellious ones, the resistors, the antis, you know, the Christians uh, over here to be able to grow food. They don't want them to be able to do anything natural again. So, I mean, I'm just throwing you a big picture, Brad, because they're doing away with gas. We've already been talking about this. They're doing away with gas. They're doing away with the way for you to be able to heat. They're changing all of our trees. Remember, I, I did a whole show where they're covering the trees with this 
uh, nanotechnology. That's another thing. They're covering our trees with this nanotechnology because they don't want you to cut them down and be able to use them. So you won't be able to heat with the trees. You won't be able to heat with gas. You won't be able to drive a car. You won't have any independence. Uh, it's, they're really going to try to squeeze the people so that their only hope is through this synthetic image. Remember, I've been teaching you right about the image of the beast. It's all synthetic and it's fake. I just like Trump's people. I told you this. This whole image of Trump is synthetic. The whole image of him is, is gold, shiny, perfect, and synthetic. It's all fake. And so uh, this is the image of the beast is like that. Everything about him, this beast image that's before everybody right now, is all fake. So, but there, the things that are coming down the pike, maybe there's going to be disasters happen or whatever, that's going to wipe out the ability for humanity to be able to grow their gardens or be able to travel without the beast. He, he wants you to bow. See, but really to the church, to the true church, the rubber is meeting the road. You either believe God is, you either believe he's the provider, he is your healer, he will feed you, he will take care of you, or you don't. And this is where we're going. This is why the mm is so terrible because people are caving right now. It's like, people, you got to stand your ground now. Because when it gets to level three, right now we've been in level one. We've been in level two. And now we're going to critical level number three. If you, you've got to be able to hold your ground, repent for this one, repent for this one, and get ready for this one. Because when they shut it down, all the avenues for you to travel, they shut it down on the avenues for you to produce food. They're shutting down the avenues for you to produce heat. They're going to try to push you towards the beast to bow, basically. I mean, this is what I see happening right before our very eyes. And then when you look at the image of Trump that I've been trying to show you about this false, beautiful, perfect image is all a lie because they're telling you, oh, we're going to fight for you and take you back, you know, fight for what America was, and I was going to show y'all this. I got a letter in the mail. It's in my purse. Let me get it. I could not believe it. Looky here, right here. I got a letter in the mail at my house, my, my personal house, and from Vice President Mike Pence. Now, we all know that there was a falling out between him and Trump, supposedly. Uh, and we know that if Trump comes back, that it's going to be with a different vice president. This is why they purposefully had a little fight between the two. Now, which I believe was all a setup and a farce. Okay, so I get a letter from... Now, y'all probably got this same letter. Okay, and look, it says, uh, can I count on you... Last year, last year, 
I launched Great America Committee as a way to give vital campaign support. Listen to principled. We know that word principled is the Noahide laws. What else do we know about uh, Vice President Mike Pence? We know that he just spoke at the uh, World Unity event with the Moonies, with Paula White, and with that Scott dude. Remember the Scott dude, the one that just spoke at the Democratic uh, deal when he gave the answer to Biden? And it was such a farce, remember, because I covered that event. And I'm like, what a farce, because he is up there talking just like the Democrats and trying to make it sound like that it's a good thing. But see, that's what that America first is. So then I was looking at this, huh? So Vice President Pence just started this event called Great America Committee. And listen to what he says. To support principled, which we know is Noahide laws, conservatives running for office. Oh, wait a minute, sir. Excuse me. I thought only conservatives were supposed to go through President Trump for the uh, America First agenda. So are you working with President Trump or what's the dealio here? So he says, against the radical left Democrats who are putting our freedoms, remember that word freedom, and our values in such grave danger. You were among the stalwart patriots who offered your support. Okay, all right. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, oh, hold on here a minute. Hold on here a minute. How do you know that I donated to President Trump at one time? Unless you have his records. So if y'all are on the outs, how do you know that I gave a donation to President Trump once upon a time? And how do you have my address, sir? My personal address. Do you hear where I'm going with this, Brad? And then he says, but with the socialist in total control of Washington right now and the 2022 midterm elections stepping up to be the most critical in modern history, our work is unfinished. So I would like for you to be a founding member of the Great America Committee. So since I'm on this subject, let me just show you, Brian, what a farce this is because it happens to look just like the America First uh, website. And the reason I'm telling you this, Brian, is because they're all in this together. They're in this together uh, for their UN globalist idea their plan. All right, so let me move this over here. And let's just look up this group. Okay, he calls it Great America Committee. What is this? Well, look at here, greatamericacommittee.com. What is this? Bam. What do we see right here? Oh, bride that's been studying the logos with me. What do we see right here? What is it? Great 
America Committee. Now, what logo does that look like? Can somebody tell me? How about let me just show you? Let's just go over here to Donald J. Trump. <gasps> what? It's the same logo as Save America? It cannot be. See that logo? And see that logo? Wow. Are they working together? Hmm. Wow. Looky here at this little farce. Look here, it says, join Great America Committee with a picture of him and President Trump. It can't be. And let's just go right over here and just look this little event up. Okay, so you got uh, Mike Pence, uh, Unity, Moons. World leaders call for unity at what? The international rally. What? It can't be. Looky here. As the head speaker. The head speaker. Mike Pence. At the Unity Ecumenical Global Farce. At the international rally of Pope. So let's block them. Because let me just tell you this, Brad, this website, the Washington Times, is owned by the Moonies. They're the Unitarians, the ones calling for unity in this new age farce, which is why they have all the rainbow colors up there, because it is part of this new age picture here. And look at here, they've got a little circular world going on. This is the very one that had, uh, oh, look at her with her hands like this, like the Hindu religion where it says, I honor the God in you. But this is the same one that Paula White spoke at. Okay, so I just wanted you to see this, and then let's go back over here. Okay, and then go over here to uh, Mother Jones. What does she say? Pence and Pompeo headlined an event mounted by a group that says the Christian era has ended. Well, you cannot make this stuff up. So going back over here to join the Great America Committee, want to show your support, donate today. And then who are they donating to, Brad? I think this will show you clearly where Mike Pence is. Uh, looky here. Winred.com. Winred.com. America first. What do you know? So he is sending this out to everybody, asking them to donate. See how they're hitting everybody from one side to the other. Now, let's go back over here and get back on the food production. I'm sorry, I went off on a little rabbit trail. Okay, but I just wanted you to know another farce that they're doing out there. Okay, so we were showing you this, the Ag Tech delivered fresh. All right, all right. 
Okay, so there's enough of that. Now, I wanted we showed you that. This is their uh, Twitter page, App Harvest. We are combining conventional agricultural techniques with today's technology. The Farming Now Movement. Okay, and then they got all these pictures up there of this. And then uh, I wanted to, you to hear a little bit of what the owner of the farm said. Listen to this. It's been something for so long people just think, well, it's, it's just kind of what it's always been. And that's just, we do it this way because that's the way we've always done it. And those are always kind of famous last words as we move into some sort of disruptive phase. And it feels like, to me at least, it feels like we are at the cusp of a disruptive phase here. And a lot of that is thanks to technology. And, and you mentioned something, we'll talk a little bit about your, your quarterly results here in a minute because I wanna get into that. But one of the things that stood out to me in the, the earnings call, uh, as I was listening, there was a quote, you said, we are farmers and futurists. And I thought well, that, that to me was in a nutshell what it's all about. Um, because our service is so focused on technology, 5G connectivity and all of the different benefits we're going to get from that. I was hoping maybe we could talk a little bit about that, that idea that you're farmers and futurists. I mean, what are the things, what, what is the technology that you're looking toward to help you change this space? Well, the, the last great technological revolution in American farming is really when the, the tractor was introduced. And, and there's been nothing more impactful on farming uh, since that time. And, and now it's AI, robotics, and, and using data to make decisions. Uh, and, and by, so visualize our facility in Moorhead, Kentucky. It's, it's 2.8 million square feet, nearly 50 football fields under glass. Um, we're farmers, we're, we're growing fruits and vegetables, uh, and, and we're utilizing sunlight, we're utilizing rainwater. Uh, but the futurist piece is we've combined a technology team with, with a great plant science group that, you know, yes, we're opti we're using nature for what it's good. So, for example, we use integrated pest management, good pests to kill bad pests. We, we use bees to pollinate our plants. We, we use completely recycled rainwater. But then there's the other side and, and introducing robotics uh, that's operating on AI that's collecting data in our facility and making data-driven data decisions. And for young people, we, we've invested heavily in high school education uh, here in this region. And part of it is we're not just building facilities, you know, we're building an ecosystem. And we have to, we have to, part of that is change the narrative that, that farming is simply outdoors and on a tractor. We, we very much respect American farmers. We have a great respect for the four season farmer uh, that's putting food on our table. Uh, but we, we have to get young people to think. It, you, so the average age of the American farmer is about 60 years old. And so for us, by investing in high schools, it's teaching young people you're operating uh, a farm with an iPhone and an iPad using industrial sensors with, with robotics operating on AI. And that's that's for us, again, there's you know there's a piece where we need to be very close to the product and that's we're optimizing for the plant. Uh, but then it's pulling technology in uh, to drive nature from behind. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 so cool to think about what you guys are doing there. And I mean, I know that you're not the only one focused on 
controlled environment agriculture. I mean, I think we, we, we've seen some, some other players in the space that are, that are starting. This is still a very new space though. It feels like this is something that really is just getting, getting, uh, you know, some traction here. Um, I, I made the point at, at one point uh, with, uh, with, in regard to app harvest, that you, you came public a lot sooner than probably you would have had to, or probably that you would have had the opportunity to even 10 years ago. I mean, the, the SPAC opportunity let you, I think, become a publicly traded company, maybe, maybe sooner than you really felt like you needed to. But I think there are a lot of benefits that come with that. Even though you, you entered at such a, such a young stage of your business, right? You essentially were pre-revenue coming into the public markets. And now you're just getting that, that started. Is there, is there a benefit? What do you, how do you feel about coming public a lot earlier than you probably would have normally? Well, we, we, we built the company from day one. I was very fortunate. All right, I'm going to pause it, Brad. You all get the point, right, where all this is going. Now, I wanted to show you just a quick clip of Ice Age Farmer. In case you don't know about Ice Age Farmer, Brad, uh, he is an excellent resource. Uh, I've tried to get him for an interview, but I don't know if I'm not reaching the right uh way to do it but if y'all know of some way i can interview him uh he is somebody i would want to interview but anyway uh he has a great understanding of what's happening with the food production and on his channel he is declaring from the rooftop that an utter collapse is coming to the food production and he follows it every day he's following the trends so i want you to see what he is saying because this one is dated june the first so it's very recent where he says the world economic forums invest in forests exposed global surveillance grid remember what i told you about them putting the nets on the trees we said back then that was probably surveillance I'm assuming that's where he's going with this. But I want you to hear what he says in the beginning. Listen to this, Brad. Meaning people who've tried to do good things in the world. Right, they've gotten up. involved with sustainability. Ladies and gentlemen, there are plenty of well-meaning people who've tried to do good things in the world. They've gotten involved with sustainability efforts or animal rights groups or biodiversity preservation initiatives or deforestation prevention programs or promoting the vegan diet, whatever, they find somehow that these well-meaning organizations are actually not what they seem. There's more to the story there. Right. And in fact, they're more like cover stories for agendas of control. Yeah. Agenda 2030 for the World Economic Forum's Great Reset and Fourth Industrial Revolution. Such is certainly the case with the document I want to share with you today, which is being released from the World Economic Forum itself, entitled Investing in Forests. I haven't the seen business this case. Right. Now, behind this document is their new project, 1T.org, which sounds fantastic. Which it's is an what ambitious President project. Trump the goal is launching a trillion trees by yep. 2030, of course. So how can that be a bad thing? I mean, is this just one good thing that they're doing amidst a sea of evil agendas? Or again, is there more to the story? Right. Let's take a look at this today, because I think what we'll find is that investing in forests is actually intimately tied 
with the Agenda 2030 attempts to take total control over all resources and economic activity on the planet. Let's talk about it. I'm Christian, and this is the Ice Age Farmer broadcast. And I want to begin by starting with the authors of this new World Economic Forum report, Investing in Forests. Among them, none other than Nicole Schwab herself, the daughter of Klaus Schwab. Here wow. she is talking at the Investing in Forests Sustainable Development Conference 2020. Nicole uh, went, like her father, to the Harvard Kennedy School there at Harvard to get a public policy degree. She didn't study under Kissinger, like her father, but um, she also is author, as you can see down here, of Heart of the Labyrinth, a spiritual parable offering a message of earth-centered wisdom. Oh. So she's part of this Gaia worship cult. Let me tell you something I know about this, about the labyrinth. Okay, remember, Brian, how I told you that in the church, there's two different sides, just like Republican on the right, Democrat on the left. I told you you have NAR, which is the New Episodic Reformation on the right, and you have the uh, emerging church on the left. Then I told you that in Israel you have the, um, what do they call them, the Jew, Orthodox Jews on the far right, and then you have the left. Okay, well, it's the same here. Uh, in the left side of the emergent church, which is now, all, they're all blended together, but they want you to think that they're different. But in the emergent church, one of the practices that they do is their services are very ecumenical. So some of them will actually have labyrinths in their church. And what they are is a, is, it's a meditation prayer farce because they have like this uh, thing in the floor that looks like this a swirly pattern and you kind of pray and you kind of walk to the center. It's like a, really it's like a, a meditation a hypnotist thing is the way I see it, but it is part of centering uh, your thoughts, centering, you know, going to the God within. Uh, type of deal. So when I see that labyrinth, that's what I think of. And that's why this is her role there at the World Economic Forum is New the age, Investing in Forests project. When we look at the document and what it is that Nicole Schwab and the World Economic Forum are talking about, it starts off with some relatively ambiguous, but just generally environmental sounding language from the executive summary. In the face of interconnected crises of nature loss, the biodiversity appeal, and climate change, investing in forest conservation and restoration can benefit businesses as they become leading actors in this transition to a nature-positive net-zero economy. Uh, so already we see we're tied to this net-zero carbon emissions total enslavement program. Yes. But again, the executive summary has just got some flowery language about how if we don't invest in forests, then there won't be an environment in the future and we won't be able to make a profit. Here's a little bit more from this document. Businesses now need to invest in forests. They are able to secure new economic opportunities there. That sounds like there's more than just planting trees, right? 
Let's keep reading, find out what they're talking about. Using their existing assets to support forests. Well, we can also fund forest conservation and restoration, even if outside their core business, as part of our broader decarbonization, nature positive, sustainable strategies. So again, net zero. And then it's not until we read down here, aha, what are these monitoring tools that are being described for the supporting the forest's effort? Monitoring is a word that actually appears tens of times in this document. Let's just set that aside for a second. The document then goes on to say that now that we're building back better, we have some social momentum to capitalize on. So now is the time for you and your organization to invest in forests. In fact, the number of corporate commitments to reach net zero has doubled over the past year. We saw Visa and all the major airlines and other companies coming out and saying, we're going to drop and become carbon zero by 2050, sometimes by 2030, depends. And then the document goes on to highlight a few different case studies of big companies that are already investing in forests, which is great because finally we can get a taste of what the heck that actually means. Amazon, Nestle, Susano, Salesforce, Rabobank. And if you look at what they're doing, it says, oh, Amazon's throwing $100 million investing in forests. Sounds generous. Nestle, supporting restoration in Ghana. Susano, conserving lots of forests in Brazil. Salesforce, creating forest tools. Rabobank, supporting reforestation with a billion dollars. These are some big dollar amounts and lofty sounding goals. Let's take some closer looks. Starting with case study number one, Nestle. We're transitioning away from avoided deforestation, in other words, harm reduction, to positive action for forests. All right, Brad, you can all watch that because I really like the guy. But I'm going to move over to one last thing I'm going to cover tonight before I get off here is Amazon. Have you heard about this? Uh, somebody sent me this link today. If you are on these devices, you need to get off these devices. I've been warning you about this. I wrote about this in my book. Get rid of Google Home. Get rid of Alexa. Get rid of all that mess. I've been showing you about the mesh. Okay, let me explain this to the new people watching me that don't understand a word of what I'm saying. Okay, I hope not to get too technical, but if you, I'm going to try to explain it. Okay, in the old world, you have the way that you connect to the internet is you have like a router and it connects and shoots like a straight beam through the wireless internet to a uh, computer. Okay, so you have like a straight beam of wireless uh, internet that's going this way. Okay, then over here you have a device this way. And then over here you have a TV this way and you have this. So it kind of shoots out through the router through these different ones unless you're wired. If you're wired like this laptop that I'm doing this show on today, we're in a building, you know, it's in a business atmosphere. So we have ethernet cords. Okay. So the ethernet cords carry the internet from the uh, router and from our modem 
and carries the internet from there over to here, which gives it a solid uh, shoot to where it's not all breaking up and falling apart. When it goes Wi-Fi, it's kind of floating through the air and it can be misconstrued. So thus you'll have sometimes grainy because it's floating in the air in this like straight shoot. Now, what they have done, Brian, thanks to President Trump, with his installation of the uh, uh, with letters between F and H, <laughs> um, what they have done is created a mesh. That is a term you need to know, Brad. It's called mesh. Okay, the mesh is like a spider web. Okay, so because of this five, you know what? It has opened the door to the beast. I'm talking the beast because now everything around you is connected. Because I wrote this in my book from 2012 when I wrote that book, The Mark of the Beast. That there back then, through my research back then in 2012, there were billions of computer chips dormant all over the planet that were already placed there for the moment that we're in right now. So we know that clothing now contains internet, LED contains internet. They're actually putting it in uh, grass now. They're putting it in road systems. They're putting it everywhere. So now we have the beast. The beast is like one big spider web. It's the mesh. It's where everything is intertwining because uh, it's one big mesh like a blanket. I, I've showed you videos when we did our five and nine hour research projects. <laughs> when we did those very long shows, we went down the rabbit trails and we discovered the mesh that's taking place. Actually, let me just see if I can show you a picture. Okay, let me type in wireless mesh network. There you go. Okay, and let's see if they've got a good image. All right, so see how it is. It's where everything like this is connected. And so like this, here you go. There, here it is. Here it is, Brad. Okay, so Global Wireless Mesh Network. This is what it looks like. It's like one big spider web of internet, and it's where everything in the entire globe is connected. Now, this announcement here is saying you have got until June the 8th to opt out before all these things that Amazon has is now connecting to the mesh. Okay, so now that you know what the mesh is, listen to what this woman has to say. Listen to this. Hi, everyone. And well, it's June 1, 2021. I don't I'm know hoping that all of you don't have any of these Amazon devices like Echo or Ring 
My suggestion, if you do, throw them out. If you're not going to throw them out, you need to hear this. Amazon US customers have one week to opt out of mass wireless sharing. Okay. Yeah. That people have these devices is really remarkable because, well, let's see. Amazon facing 75,000 arbitration demands. Now it says, all right, no more arbitration because Amazon has to pay the filing fee for all of those arbitration demands. So Amazon said, well, sue us. Okay, why do they have so many suing them? Because Amazon is recording and keeping everything that it hears with Echo. That's right, which is what I've been telling you. It's probably not a good thing for you to hold on to it, but if you just can't get rid of it, all right, this is what they're doing. You have until June 8th to opt out. If you don't, you're in. You are in their mesh network. Customers have one week to opt out of a plan that would turn every Echo speaker and ring security camera in the U.S. into a shared wireless network. Yeah, the company is saying they want to fix connection problems for their smart home devices. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think Amazon is deceiving us. <laughs> so the I like this woman's voice. She's got a really cool voice. Uh, okay, I'm going to show you the article where they actually talk about this. Look at this, Brad. Okay, uh, it says Amazon rolls out massive data sharing program. Users have one week to opt out. An experimental service by Amazon will automatically turn every Echo speaker, Ring camera, and every and other Amazon device into a shared wireless network. Customers in the U.S. have only one week to opt out so that their internet won't be shared with neighbors. The new service called Amazon Sidewalk is part of the internet giant's plan to fix connection problems for its smart home devices. It works by sharing a small slice of your internet bandwidth with nearby neighbors who don't have connection and vice versa. So as to create citywide mesh networks that help keep Amazon devices connected at all times, even when home Wi-Fi is unavailable. It's particularly useful to small devices that don't require a high bandwidth connection such as smart locks and pet trackers. And, okay, pet trackers and what other kind of track? What other kind of thing are they track? This is why, Brad, they want you to move to the cities because everything around is going to be watching. So... Like, a lot of times when I leave the house, I will unplug my Wi-Fi. 
And a lot of people, they'll unplug their Wi-Fi at night and they'll unplug it when they're gone and et cetera, et cetera. But according to this, it doesn't matter because everything that's in your house is going to just connect next door. Everything is just going to connect everywhere. So you, in other words, bride, this world that's here, you won't be able to have a choice. Beast, the beast is ramping up its eyes. Remember I told you, Lucifer does not have eyes everywhere like God does. So he has to have this Luciferian technology to have his eyes. Okay, so let's check out Amazon Sidewalk. Amazon Devices. Okay, so look at the same Facebook characters here. Amazon Sidewalk is a shared network that helps devices like Amazon Echo devices, ring security cams, outdoor lights, motion sensors, and tile trackers work better at home and beyond the front door. When enabled, Sidewalk can unlock unique benefits for your device, support other Sidewalk devices in your community, and even locate pets or lost items. How about locate humans? This is for surveillance grid, really, is what this is. Amazon Sidewalk creates a low bandwidth network to help uh, Sidewalk bridge devices, including select Echo and Ring devices. These bridge devices share a small portion of your internet bandwidth, which is pulled together to provide these services to you and your neighbors. And when more neighbors participate, the network becomes even stronger. So now my question would be, are they going to start giving away these devices? You know, so people will uh, have this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, let's see here. Sidewalk bridges. Look at this. Echo Show 10, so you can get a, a pad, an Echo, all new Echo Dot, Echo Dot, Ring Floodlight Camera, motion activated, Ring Spotlight Cam Wired. Okay, Floodlight Cameras, Spotlight Cam. That's got a cam on it. Echo Show Third HD Smart Display Premium Sound Echo. Look at this stuff. Wow. Well, the mesh is growing. So, Bride, this is all I have for y'all tonight, and I will see you all tomorrow. God bless and have a good evening. Author and White House correspondent Dr. June Knight has published 10 books. 
as she traveled the country in obedience to God's serving ministries. Her books are about the Bride of Christ, preparing the church for the end of days, persecution, purity, and spiritual warfare. She even wrote a book revealing the pain and struggles of her own life called Testimony of a Broken Bride, Jesus is the True Husband. Her books hope to help families make right decisions in the coming days about the mark of the beast and to choose Jesus over the beast system. She released four books this year about current day situations such as judgment, technology, tribulation, days and more. These four books released in April of 2020 after she left the White House and exposes what she knows about President Trump and the Antichrist agenda. These books reveal apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment and it's for the harvest. Dr. June reveals the great divide in the church in this hour due to the great deception. She explains what is the ecumenical movement, new apostolic reformation, and false religions. Exposes the one world religion agenda. Dr. June exposes the new world order and satanic agenda. This book exposes the lie of the new apostolic reformation evangelicals who have surrounded the president and is partnering with the beast system. This book chronicles 40 days of repentance and casting down 40 idols in our nation and church. This book reveals the biblical pattern of judgment and the current judgment. What is the pattern of God's judgment? Why does he judge? What is my role in this? This book discusses now that we know apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment. Where do we go from here? How do we prepare? What do we look for? What about technology? The human implantation chip, etc. So purchase the American pop books today before they shut them down. Be alert. Be informed. Be equipped for the war ahead. Or go to www.gotreehouse.org and purchase all 10 of Dr. Jews' books today on sale. If you are interested in writing a book, please go to treehousepublishers.com.